Welcome to Food and Loathing, your savage journey into the stomach of the American dream, assuming that America is having a sexy, fabulous, and gluttonous dream about the adult playground that is Las Vegas. And if you aren't having that kind of a dream yet, just eat something spicy before you go to bed and see what happens. I am Al Mancini. Our producer, Rich Johnson, is back from the road this week to tweak my microphone and make sure I don't pop my peas. So far, so good, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm listening. Thanks. Well, I did miss you while you were away, both personally and certainly <laughs> professionally, but we won't get into um, the mess I made yeah. last week. Anyway, coming up later this episode, we'll have a conversation with two of the most fabulous journalists in fabulous Las Vegas. I'm talking, of course, about Melinda Shekels and John Katsalamitas, who will tell us about how the A-listers are partying and where the beautiful people are hanging out when they want to see and be seen. First, however, we are coming to you from Valley Wine, Valley Cheese and Wine, excuse me, in Henderson. I always, sometimes I always want to say wine first. I don't know. I'm always trained to think wine first. But if you're Googling this at home, (laughs) it's Valley Cheese and Wine in Henderson, where we're joined by the shop's owner, our guest co-host this week, Diana Breyer. Good morning, Diana. Good morning, Al. How are you doing? I'm doing well. (laughs) I'm so glad to be here with you. It's taken a little while to get you on, but I'm excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. For those people who don't know Diana, she purchased Valley um, Cheese and Wine, which is Las Vegas' longest-running cheese shop last year in the midst of the pandemic. Diana's career as a cheesemonger, however, dates back much farther. All the way to 2014 when, I believe you were a financial pro, am I getting that right? Yeah, I was doing financial analytics and teaching dance on the side, like you do. Well, like like, like people (laughs) want to do, right? Natural companion professions. (laughs) Sure. Well, the way you told me the story a year or two ago was that you underwent open heart surgery and you said you, quote, vowed not to do anything I hated ever again. So um, you took the job at a cheese counter at a Salt Lake City Whole Foods, later secured a cheesemaker position at Park City's Deer Valley Resort. And then you parlayed that into a position, and this should mean something to Rich, I would yeah. think, at Oregon's famed Rogue Creamery. Am I getting that right so far? Yeah, so far so good. Um, I, I did have the open heart surgery. I ended up flatlining from that. Um, so when I woke up from that experience, that's when I was like, okay, I've got to make a change, something that will fix both the right brain and left brain. Yeah. Um, you woke up me. from that and said, I need cheese? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you said, I, you kind of, yes. You woke like up and said, way. I got to get to Grant's Pass. I do. I've got to get to a farm. Put me on a farm, coach. Uh, Yeah, so I ended up going to Deer Valley Resort where I made a bunch of brie, and then I was recruited to lead all of the cheese making at Road Creamery. Wow. And you are, in addition to being a monger, and I've said, like, is cheese and whores, are those the only things you monger in this world? I think fish. (laughs) Fish. You could be a fish monger. Maybe war. Yeah, cheese, whores, and fish. Cheese, whores, fish, and war. Okay. You, can monger, war. That's I, it. you know, I like that combo. You know? <laughs> we'll have to do it. Um, you're Full also retail. <laughs> you're also, I believe, at the time when we spoke last, one of only 45 people in the country who hold a certified cheese sensory evaluator certificate from the American Cheese Society. I know that sounds like a lot of letters <laughs> and words, um, all kinds of stuff. But here's what blew my mind. I, I'm told that to pass to to get that, you had to pass an exhaustive test that required you to identify which of 51 
one possible attributes were present in the aromas of 10 types of milk and evaluate the taste, appearance, aroma, flavor, and textures of dozens in cheese. Am I right there? What, there are 51 possible aromas in milk? Yeah, so you're sniffing 10 cups of milk and um, you have to identify each aroma as one of 51 for each of the 10. Um, so you're talking about telling the difference between acetaldehyde, which is going to be like your green apple Jolly Rancher smell, or citrus, <laughs> or am I is. smelling buttermilk or cultured cream? Am I smelling asparagus or Brussels sprouts? Um, and those aromas can all be detected in the milk that we use for cheese making based on the terroir of where the girls are grazing or what they've gotten into recently. Wow. I'm so feeling like it didn't matter if I had showered after I got off that flight today because yeah, well. like, you smelled worse things than what I smelled like. <laughs> so you're the Undoubtedly. <laughs> Basically, it's a sommelier or a Cicerone of cheese. Essentially, yeah. Um, that combined with my certified cheese professional certificate, which I obtained last year, yeah. um, kind of certifies the body of knowledge and also the palate. So that together would become basically a, a grand sommelier of cheese, if you will. So how, now that you are a business owner in Henderson, Nevada, mm -hmm. um, and we had a very famous business here that had a, a strong customer base before you came in, you certainly brought a lot of knowledge into it. How's it going? Uh, really well. I'm actually excited to say that I am just slam busy, and that's a really good thing right now because you never really know what, you're, what to expect as a first-time business owner taking over something in the middle of a pandemic. It's a little scary, but I always say if I'm going to do something, I usually do it the hard way anyway, so this fit. <laughs> you know, pretty well. <laughs> Did you have to, or were you able to do any kind of adjustments for the pandemic deliveries or, or, or takeout? Absolutely. So we, uh, we brought back offering cheese and charcuterie boards and we implemented a happy hour, but we made those available both curbside and to go. Ah. Um, so we were able to sort of suit a need that people were really missing that experience of having a great happy hour or enjoying a nice cheese and charcuterie platter. But we totally just changed everything around. We always say it's like a choose your own adventure around here. Whatever you're comfortable with, we'd like to be amenable to. Wow. Well, um, I'm glad we have you over here and I'm glad Thanks. you sent me home with a nice little package of cheese and some interesting edibles. <laughs> we'll get to that, which are <laughs> not for sale here. Oh, yeah. the they, they are not available no, here. <laughs> Diane and I um, shared some, um, well, we'll get to that soon. But this, however, is the part of the show where we usually chat about places we've been recently. I've had a busy week. I have a lot to come up with, a lot of tape. But you, I, I really wanted to have you on because you're one of those people. Even in the pandemic, you were going to the few events that were happening that were done in a very safe manner. I remember seeing you. They were very limited and they were very distant. So we, you and I didn't get to yeah. really hug and say <laughs> hi at any of them. But I know that you're a person who's out, about, out and about checking out what's going on in Las Vegas a lot. So what have you been to recently that's hot? You know, I actually had a staycation uh, over the weekend at the M Resort, which we all know is the official resort of the Las Vegas Raiders. And we just started football season. So I really wanted to check out some of the places that are inside the M. Um, so I went to Anthony's Prime Steak and Seafood, which was just an outstanding steakhouse. I mean, beautiful ambiance. The dining room is like expertly put together. The service was top of the line. Even when so many restaurants are hurting for help right now, they really had everything streamlined and beautifully done. Um, um, we had the Oysters Rockefeller, outstanding. I love a Rockefeller. <laughs> and so few people still do that. That's one of those old throwback dishes that never really caught on the way that other throwback dishes come in and out of fashion. Yeah, I'll never understand why a lot of people are uncomfortable with the idea of like warmed or heated oysters of any kind. But I mean, I grew up in Texas eating oyster po'boys, you know, so I'm totally familiar with them. But this was one of the best Oysters Rockefeller I'd had, like perfectly balanced, really beautiful presentation just on top of all that rock wow. salt. I mean, really nicely done. Okay. 
um, had the filet and the crustaceans louis, which had crab, shrimp, and lobster that oh, was in a, yeah. a woven mold of cucumber that was just gorgeous. I just wow. sat there and took pictures of it before I even ate it. I almost felt guilty for diving into it. What, but kind, it was what kind of crab? Uh, that I don't know, actually. <laughs> I mean, Maryland can crab from, from way back when, or some good Dungeness? You would hope it would be a blue for a Louie, but I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, oh, I mean, it, no, it's got to be a Dungeness. Yeah. Come on. It was yeah. perfectly integrated and delicious, so, you know, <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> also, anybody wants oysters, Rockefeller, I just love to throw this out. There's a steakhouse in Boulder Station. I think it might be called, like, the broiler or something. It's total yeah. throwback places. Waitresses have been there forever. I think they used to still have a salad bar with sneeze guards going into games. Nice. But, <laughs> but they do a mean Oysters Rockefeller, so I want to throw them a little bit of love. Yeah, Rich, great. you were oh. uh, hanging with some, some oh, dangerous I, people. Oh, gosh. I was uh, last night still feeling full from the uh, Oscar dinner series steakhouse at Oscars, Oscar Steakhouse at the Plaza. Former Mayor Oscar Goodman does these. He uh, tells stories of his days as mayor and uh, before for that is attorney for some of the cities and countries most notorious organized crime figures and last night as we record this he uh, told many a tale about the guy who's always fascinated me and that is frank rosenfall lefty as he was known to anyone not in his presence when you're with him it was mr rosenthal <laughs> i've talked to him on the phone once i interviewed him on the radio before he died about almost 20 years ago and just naturally i referred to him as mr rosenthal i had no prior thing it just he sort of commanded that kind of respect over the phone oscar talked about how mr rosenthal moved from job to job at the stardust to avoid what inevitably happened which was being denied a gaming license by the state of nevada we saw it fictionalized in the movie casino and yeah, that scene in the movie Casino in which he told the cooks to make sure the blueberry muffin had at least eight blueberries in it is true. Oh. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, after he was food and bar beverage director, Oscar talked about him moving to another job at the Stardust. He became the entertainment director at the Stardust, and he hired Siegfried and Roy away from another hotel brought them over there with the Lido show and became the most popular show on the strip. And from that, uh, he started what I consider to be one of the great moments in the history of Las Vegas. He started the Frank Rosenthal show. Uh, anybody ever see the Frank Rosenthal show? You saw the Frank Rosenthal? Derek, you see it? Wasn't that the worst show you've ever seen in your life? It was the most horrible show in the history of the world. It was on Saturday night, and he had these dancing girls sitting there with him, and he would talk about games and gambling, and uh, it was Mr. Frank Rosenthal Show. This is a Mr. Frank Rosenthal Show, and everybody, uh, except those who were eating at Oscars, even though Oscars wasn't here at that time, anybody who was eating at any restaurant would drop with their forks, run home to watch the Frank Rosenthal Show because on Monday morning, that's all the town talked about. <laughs> there are uh, four or five uh, episodes of the Frank Rosenthal show floating around YouTube because the, the, the videotapes got moved. There were just not many of them. But, yeah, it was, you know, it was Las Vegas television production values of the early 70s. So uh, uh, head to the Plaza Hotel uh, Casino com to find out more details about the next Oscar dinner. Uh, next week on the Plaza podcast, produced by, oh, me, on the corner of Main Street, you can hear much more of Oscar talk about Mr. Rosenthal.
I paid a visit to Zuma in the Cosmopolitan this week for a lesson in robotic grilling, which is actually the centerpiece of their menu. I think a lot of us kind of forget. We're like, oh, yeah, Zuma, that's the big Japanese place. And you, you lump it in with Morimoto and, and Nobu. Um, but where you know they, they all do, of course, a lot of sushi. Uh, the other two do robata. Uh, excuse me, the other two, two, two do teppanyaki. But Zuma does robata. Um, you can find some video of my visit on the Food and Loathing Facebook page. I was killing time in Reno yesterday playing with some new editing software. So I posted a draft of my efforts. Um, but while I was at Zuma, I asked executive chef Sergio Flores about the charcoal they used. Figured I could um, offer up a nice little tip for aspiring home grillers. Pichotan, white oak. It's uh, something that I've discovered about five years ago. And I will never go back to anything else but white oak. The uh, radiant heat, the flavor that it does not give off because it is a more or less a smokeless flame is something that you cannot match. So there is your tip, binchotan, if you want to <laughs> uh, okay. do some at home. Uh, I also dined at Casa Playa, which occupies the same space in Encore that was previously home to Enrique Al- Alvarez Elio. You can read some of my thoughts on my meal there on my blog, theneonmohawk.com. But after I wrote that, I went back into Casa Playa after having eaten there and then writing about it. I went in to ask Chef Sarah Thompson a few questions. To start, I asked her to explain what Casa Playa is all about. I mean, obviously, it's a coastal Mexican restaurant but one thing that I am super excited about with this menu and what we're trying to do is there's a little bit of something for everyone if you want to come and eat tacos and a margarita at the bar then go to excess you can do that if you want to come in with a big group of people get a ton of family style ceviches get large format entrees you can do that if you want to go on a date with like your significant other have like a really elegant experience we can have a small and large seafood platters you can get caviar you can get American Wagyu you can get all of these things so it's really something we're kind of we just have a little bit of something for everyone and you can look at the menu and see that there's very approachable things and there's things that are a little bit more playful for people who might have a little bit more of a refined palate so we just have a little bit of something for everyone which is really you know fun and been really great to put together you are not unique in that you had to redesign and rethink a concept during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Just about everybody had to redesign and rethink a concept or, or just how they do business during the yeah. pandemic. You are unique in the fact that there was a short-lived restaurant here that you were involved with mm-hmm. that some people experienced, some people only heard about. But there was definitely an impression of what Elio was. So for those who had an impression of what Elio was, whether it's from being here or whether just what they heard from their friends, how is this similar and how is this different from Elio? Well, I mean, obviously I was a huge part of the culinary team for Elio. So you'll see a lot of like similarities in flavor profile, like the food, people sometimes think that Mexican food is supposed to be like kind of heavy and rich, like big platters of braised meat. But I like to think of it as something that's really light and vibrant. Like there's so many fun herbs, the spice, the acidity. And I usually, I play around with those flavors a lot. And you'll see a lot of similarities between that and Ilio. And there's a lot of focus on seafood as well at Ilio that you'll see in the menu here. I think that the biggest difference is the space. Like the space is a little bit more inviting. Like when you look in, you see these bright colors. You want to come and sit at the bar or the lounge and just really like relax and have a good time. Um, We're not trying to, you know, do anything other than make people really excited about the space and the food. 
I love speaking with Sarah. I've got more from that interview. First of all, it's just great to have a woman executive chef in a major restaurant in Wynn or on the Strip in general. So I'm just mad props to her. I will throw her as much love and support as I can. But as you can tell, really, really smart, well-spoken woman. And I've got more of this interview that I'm going to bring back next week when we talk about Mexican cuisine. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And now I really want to go there because I am just a huge fan of seafood and Mexican. So let's that sounds perfect for me. Well, maybe we'll go and we'll get some tacos let's do at the it. bar. <laughs> uh, clearly, we've been keeping busy this week with some pretty cool stuff at some pretty cool places, but nobody in Las Vegas is busier. Nobody visits cooler places or does cooler stuff than our next two guests. Rich and I are heading over to the Legacy Club atop the Circa Resort on Fremont Street for our next segment to chat with Melinda Shekels and John Katsalamitis. There's also more from Valley Cheese and Wine right after that. I, I'm like, I feel like I cursed it this time. But yes, I know. Valley Cheese and Wine. <laughs> more after that so keep listening this is food and loathing mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market this episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome back to Food and Loathing. I'm Al Mancini, joined for this segment by my producer, Rich Johnson, at one of the most breathtaking bars in Las Vegas. <laughs> my and one of my favorite places to watch the sunset. Perched high atop the Circa Resort on Fremont Street, we are at the Legacy Club. And this is, for my money, the most luxurious location in downtown Las Vegas. The go-to spot for the beautiful people and the see-and-be-seen crowd. But honestly, what do I know about that crowd? Not much, I admit. <laughs> so I've invited two people who are plugged in with the movers and the shakers to join me for this segment. First up is a man who needs, who not only needs no introduction, honestly, he doesn't even need a full last name, but he has one that's a lot of fun to say. He's an award-winning journalist who has been covering the entertainment beat in Las Vegas for a quarter of a century. Since 2016, he's been at the Las Vegas Review Journal, a place of which I have fond memories, and where you can still find his reports from the hottest spots in town and his interviews with the biggest names in entertainment every single day, I believe, on page 3A, for those of you that still get your hands dirty. Is that right? <laughs> that's that's right. Cool. I am, of course, speaking about John Katsalamitis, or as just about anyone who is anyone in the entertainment industry calls him, Johnny Katz. John, how are you, man? What's up? It's so great to have you here. I have a gift for you. Oh, my goodness. Now, I know we're on the podcast, <laughs> but folks, when we were in the office, 
in the office <laughs> before <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. And when I was yeah. still with the company, we sat across from each other. And we had these little green nameplates, so I remembered who he was and he remembered who I was. Yeah. I was in there today, and I thought, I'll uh, snake Al's <laughs> nameplate from the RJ. So there you are. Wow. I so feel nice. Official handover. Merry birthday. Thank you. Features mm-hmm. food and beverage writer. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to put this up on my wall. I, I was on the way out, and I was like, I'm going to bring this down to this. Uh, Nobody's taken to... over my cubicle since I left. Huh? Nobody's taken over anybody's cubicle. Yeah. It's stuck in time, man. It's like uh, uh, March you know, 7th of 2020. That's about when the world stopped. I still have one of those wow. only in Vegas hats and uh, yeah, so a couple of calendars and uh, the announcement of the original Jonas Brothers residency <laughs> oh, is still on my desk. That's yeah, it is. It's like... It's like a, a neutron bomb went through the place. It's just stopped. If, if that other voice in the background sounds familiar to you, we have a woman for whom I have worked at many local publications over the years, from 944 Magazine through Vegas 7, a few that I can't even remember the names of, but those were during my drinking days. Well, they're on the wall at the hot dog, place, right? <laughs> <laughs> Your articles. <laughs> True. Um, she's currently the editorial director for offthestrip.com a frequent contributor to Billboard magazine, a Hollywood reporter, hospitality design, but you may know her best from seeing her on KSNV Channel 3 News, where she brings everyone up to date on the hottest, tippest, trendiest things going on in our valley. But I think really, the thing that I really love about Melinda is she is one of the few people in this town with more recognizable hair than mine. And you know what? It's always been you and I competing for this. this There's nobody the else. The follicle challenge, as we say. Uh, yes, so, you and I both have very distinct hairdos. Yes, Ms. Melinda Shekels, how are you? I'm very, very good. This Legacy Club place where we're sitting, I got to tell you, I spent both New Year's Eve here and my birthday. Wow. So, so, yeah, I mean, this this is the real deal. You know, I mean, this is a place that I, I brought my wife up here for her birthday. Um, you know, I, I feel like when you're in downtown, let's just get into this. I feel like when you're in downtown Las Vegas, when you're coming anywhere downtown and you're looking for, to, to put on the Ritz, right, to, to go posh, to go big, to have that glass. If, it, if you are a whiskey drinker, you want the right ice cube, the, the right weight in the glass, or if you just want to see a great view, this is the place, right? Is there a hipper, trendier spot downtown or any other place that I'm missing where the cool kids hang out? Not, uh, not downtown that springs to mind. The barometer is it doesn't have cocktails. It has a cocktail program. Right, exactly. That's a very good point, Rich. You know, it's so funny because I think that we see, for a long time, we didn't see bars up this high, right? Well, we saw, you know, Mandalay had mm-hmm. House of Blues, obviously, Foundation or Foundation Room. Room. And then we didn't really see any up this high for a while. And then now we have Starlight Lounge. We mm-hmm. also have Circa up here, Legacy Club. And I wonder, I mean, when we went through the Fountain Blue a few years ago, there is a, a spectacular lounge that's planned for the top of that property as well. So... You know, other than stratosphere and then all the way down, I think we see a new trend forming. Yeah, it's a uh, boy downtown. I, you know, the only other place that springs. I've, I've enjoyed Binion Steakhouse. It's not really a hang, but it's got a great uh, upstairs kind of view. And then I've liked the vibe at um, at Oscars at, at the Plaza over the years. Um, but it's uh, yeah, this is a uh, God. The last time I was up here, I was with some uh, uh, NFR, some. Uh, PRCA Cowboys, who were champions in their respective divisions, visited here. And they came up here, man. And those guys, you know, they were in their whole, you know, and the the Cowboy Duds, you know, representing the NFR. They were all individual bull riding, team roping champions and bareback, all every category. And they came up here and they, I mean, they were blown away. 
they had not seen anything like this before. They were looking facing south down the strip. We're in New Love York it. City, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not, this is <laughs> no, not literally no. not Kansas or Oklahoma or this Texas is, anymore. Yeah, this is yeah. not nice. the best in downtown. This is top five in the mm-hmm. entire valley. Yeah, I like. I like. Uh, we mentioned um, another one that's kind of a, doesn't get a lot of recognition today is the Voodoo over at the at the Rio. I've always liked that place. It has kind of a different. You you look at the. That's strip one of the few the places street. in Vegas I've never been. Wow. Been to Voodoo? Linda Shekels Voodoo Lounge? has not been to the Voodoo. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I was up there when it was Voodoo Steak, and I wrote a very bad review of it. But, I, you know, not, yeah. to, not to bring that trudge up memory, <laughs> but, you know, this was a weird deal because I had ordered my steak medium rare, and they brought it out probably medium well. And I, t- I said to them, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm writing a review for, you know, like, uh-huh. could you bring it back? They took my medium well steak in the back threw it back on the grill, brought it with the same bite mark missing, and it was now extra well done when they brought it out. So that was a rough one for me, man. Okay. Definitely. But the view was good. The view was good, yeah. (laughs) Guys, I want to ask you, why do you think, and, you know, Melinda, you have such a background in, um, you know, hanging with celebrities in many other cities. Um, L.A., I know, is really your old stomping grounds. Why, but for both of you, why do so many celebrities like it in Las Vegas? Is it that, that, that they're on private property all the time? and paparazzi can't stalk them? Do they really just like to cut loose? Are there things here they can't get back in their hometowns? What is it? Um, I'll say, I think it's just because there's so much to do for people in that strata. You know, I think that's the first thing. And you bring up an interesting point about the the paparazzi uh, difference between here and and, uh, a place like Hollywood. Uh, It has never been prominent in Las Vegas. I I very rarely have seen anybody, you know, rushed by a, a photographer when they're not ready for it. You know, the only time I've seen that over the recent past is uh, TMZ got um, David Letterman walking across, uh, walking at Caesar's Palace, and they came up unexpectedly. It was the day that Robin Williams died, and he happened, Letterman happened to be here for Paul Schaefer's show. He was going to make a, an unbilled appearance, and somehow TMZ, you know, uh, found him there, and it was really weird inside a hotel casino to see that happen, and uh, it, it reminded me that that doesn't happen very often. And it doesn't I just think happen. The entertainment yeah. value, the the hospitality that we can afford them. Is, are is there great. that many photographers that live in Vegas that are existing on the per shoot basis? Like in I Hollywood? don't believe. No, so. and they wouldn't be. You know, Vegas is it, it's a it's it's kind of interesting because. It is so good. So normally when celebrities are here, they're contracted to be here too. You have to remember the majority of celebrities that are here, but Justin Bieber coming for the opening of Delilah, he's contracted to be there. Drake coming, he's contracted to be there. So there's two kind of worlds that exist for them. It's the one that's very public. They're fulfilling their obligation. That's controlled. And then also too, because of the nature of the other side of it, the private side is also extremely controlled. So you get two things that are very controlled environments. When they're in the private room, they're really in the private room, right? But they're always on private property. And that is very different. You know, if you go to uh, Mr. Chow in L.A., there's a public sidewalk in front. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. so the paparazzi can stake it out and they can ask you questions. As you walk in, nobody can do a damn thing about it. Here, you know, you drive in onto a casino's property and until you drive off, you're on private property with a lot of cameras on you and a lot of security that are going to jump in the way if somebody tries to give you a a, Yeah, it's not a friendly environment. And in some cases, the sidewalk itself. I was Mm -hmm. uh, working for a radio network uh, trying to interview people walking in front of the wind. Yeah, the security guy oh, said, I've "No, we that. literally own this sidewalk." Yep. Yeah, that's happened to our photographers in front of the Trump, and uh, and previously in in my Greenspun days, the uh, 
um, Venetian, I think it was, that was that yeah. had that uh, I believe the lawsuits also. started when people were picketing and then it got, was it a semi-public space? But that gets mm-hmm. into yeah. a whole other thing about who owns the sidewalks. And I guess we shouldn't <laughs> go too far down I will tell one. you one crazy, crazy story. And I can't remember if you were there, John. Um, I'm sure you probably were. Do you remember Justin Bieber's 21st birthday? Oh, God. I know. It he was, was up the, at the craziest. Nobu. Was he at Nobu? It was the opening of Omnia. And it was yeah. Justin Bieber's 21st birthday. It was my first story I ever did for Billboard. I'll never forget it because we all almost <laughs> were trampled in the casino. I have never seen a scenario like that. There wasn't enough security. There was a crazy thrush of people between the fans, the 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 camera crews from all over the world that were supposed to be there. It is like no other scene that I've ever seen on a casino floor or probably will ever see again. But that was like a serious paparazzi moment yeah. inside mm-hmm. of the casino. The, that, it was an Omnia. It was an Omnia. Yeah, Pure yeah. had that happen um, years earlier with Britney Spears on New Year's Eve, I think it was, or was it Paris Hilton? One of, the, one of them. Well, I can't remember. Britney Britney on New Year's Hilton. Eve was when she passed out, was and Robin Leach was the one who was back there. There was a, it was crazy that night too. It was at the same same. It was before yeah. Omni yeah. when, when Omni was pure. But it was something about that room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something about that. Room. Bad, about very that bad thing. So, so what I need to ask you guys is, you know, look, COVID came. We were closed down for a little while, and then of course the big way to get people back was discounting rooms, discounting everything, and we got a lot of bargain tourists, right? And a lot of the higher-end restaurants closed down completely. Others shifted into a a cheaper mode because they knew they had bargain tourists. Are we back? Are we getting the money bags tourists again? Yeah, well, we are in a certain respect. Um, it's interesting because we're still not getting, obviously, tourists, foreign tourists, right? We're not getting, you know, there's travel ban. They can't come to the U.S. Yeah. So we're missing a huge group of very high spending tourists. But from what I've heard on the ground from my inside sources is that because, and this, this rings especially true in the nightclubs, is that there is a higher per head spend and less comps. So they're not comping as much. Mm-hmm. And then there, people are spending more per head. So, um, and because of that sort of like concept of revenge spending, and that it's actually making, because there is less GA and less comps, it's actually making up for that lack of tourists from Asia. And, and it really mm-hmm. only takes one 40-person fight in the Encore lobby to somebody get the memo and say, yeah, maybe we ought to jack those prices back up a bit. <laughs> right. And that was, you know, a, a product of a lot of things, as we found out from LA, turf wars with pimps that were coming into Vegas and things that we <laughs> found out that we uncovered from Metro. And we only like our own know. pimps. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Vegas. They called it the, uh, the inside term was the element. We need to track the element. We need to price the element out of our yeah. uh, demo, our, out of our uh, resort. That was the, the So you mentioned, Melinda mentioned nightclubs. Um, now I had heard, and you know, we hear a lot of things and I'm, free from having to track down the truth, but I have you guys here who do. <laughs> I had heard that um, day club spending for the tail end of this summer was way up and that they had, that some places, some of the bigger day clubs had doubled their cabana minimums, like that they were going up to like ridiculous 20, I was hearing numbers like $20,000. Yeah. I heard 10, it's, yeah, also, yeah, but yes for that. Yeah, for sure. It, they, they have, that's a fact. Yeah, okay. it is a fact. That is not a rumor. And it, it's based on that whole same thing, eliminating comps, squeezing GA and being able to create this demand. You know, there's a unprecedented demand. So, so day clubs are still a thing. I know. And by the time this airs, we'll be really winding down that season. However, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, there was a lot of talk, especially after chaos happened at the Palms, you know, were day clubs, was there still a market for day clubs? Mm -hmm. Based, I know it's, imp it, it's really impossible to read anything into what happened in 2021, because it's been a weird year, but for your money, are day clubs still going to be a thing in this town for a if, while? If yes. you've looked at the Instagram feed from Wynn or Encore Beach Club on the weekend and seen what kind of crowd the chain smokers still command, I would say that that's an affirmative. And the fact that they're still booking the chain smokers yes. as well. You know, follow the money. It's it's like, look at the look at the uh, resorts world investment and in, in, uh, what they've done on their pool deck. Incredible. Virgin, same thing. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of the cornerstone of their entertainment program, really. Right. At, at uh, Virgin, at least. And uh, and you have, uh, yeah, huge names coming in and, and uh, lavish expenditures for them. And I think that's that says that it's uh, it's going to be here here to stay. Do you guys hear any gossip of what's going to happen to that chaos space? Because I don't care who buys the palms, and we know who's buying it, of course. Mm -hmm. and now it's going to be San Miguel, I believe. Yeah. San Manuel. San Manuel, excuse me. No, no disrespect to my friends in the, the nation there. <laughs> um, but, you know, I don't know. Are they? That is. That was just a gorgeous space that was built out mm -hmm. to be just a ridiculous cabanas, day club, nightclub. They merged into each other. What do you guys think is going to happen with that space? I, I don't know. I, I can tell you that it was being used um, after chaos for corporates for private events, and I, I, I would say at least they'll utilize it that way. It's. It's. Um, I don't know what you do with something that is that uh, advanced in its design and that new. Uh, when you're a new operator, other than at least lease it out yeah. uh, for privates and corporate events. I don't know, though. I, that's a very good question. I know that um, the company that owns it is investing millions into their entertainment at that hotel, mm -hmm. and they've done it, that in their um, original in uh, San Diego, was it? Mm -hmm. yeah. and, uh, and they're very interested in, in maintaining uh, a top entertainment pro program at the Pearl and you know across the hotel. So I think that we'll see something in, uh, reviewed on that. In the old chaos space, I don't, right. I don't know, oh, man. That's yeah. Turn it into a water park. I mean, I don't. You know, it's interesting. Their customer is so different than what uh, I did. A little bit of work for the Sam Manuel magazine. Um, they approached me. Obviously, now I didn't know they were coming into market at that time, but they had approached me to write for them and do a story on the property. Um, you know, in California, and so um, I started doing a lot of brand research on them, and they. It's a much different thing than what Stations was doing with the Palms. So I'm very interested to see what that transformation of that property is. They're also not hotel operators. Their hotel has not yet opened. It's just opening in November. So that'll be a whole new thing for them as well. So I let's expect to see them partner with similar to what uh, Mohican did with um, Virgin and with Hilton on the hotel property for another operator. You know, and now we're moving to that integrated resort, um, you know, combination with obviously Resorts World as well. So you get one casino kind of, and there are different models in each instance, but, you know, we're seeing sometimes now different casino operator from hotel operator. Right. Yeah, yeah, it could be, yeah, you could contract it out and yeah. have some of the, but that both of the, on that point, both of the, the hotels that have opened, um, uh, well, I say on the strip, but the, the Resorts World and, and Virgin have a very, every facet of those hotels is, independently operated so you need to make sure you have some sort of cohesion throughout mm -hmm. the property and that is really not easy to maintain to yeah. get away from that they hate you saying the mall you know effect but it is like there can't they you do risk that mall effect when you if you don't do it right and that's that's a yeah that's what we're i think they're gonna run they'll run into that at the at the palms too it'll, it'll be a lot of trial and error i think right. over there
The last big opening before COVID made everything crazy that I remember from a food and beverage point of view was Mayfair Supper Club. <laughs> and of course, music being a big part of it. The biggest opening since COVID has kind of wound down has been Delilah, which mm -hmm. also has a live music thing. John, you and I recently caught a music set at Nomad as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, not together, but I waved to you from another tip. <laughs> I was Much supposed to be there seat. too. I'm sorry uh, I missed no, you guys. Nomad Library, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah you weren't there. What's no, going on, man? So um, is, the, is that the new thing? I'm, or, and John, you know, you're in touch with a lot of musicians on a day-to-day. -day. Is live music becoming more of the food and beverage scene right now? Yeah, yeah, days? it is the short of it. And it's been kind of lurching in that direction um, for a few years. You know, I would say ever since, I would say probably since Rose Rabbit Lion, Vegas Nocturne really, you know, uh, put that, put that concept together at the Cosmopolitan. We've been seeing it move that way. I was at Delilah last night and they do a Sunday night. <laughs> I'll throw it into quotes, jazz night. It's not all jazz. There's a lot of, lot of different types of music coming off the stage. But what they've done there is uh, it's beautifully appointed and it's, it's got great scale and it's just impressive. And, and, uh, but they've actually started to really look at Las Vegas singers and musicians to populate the, their uh, uh, entertainment program. And it was like, you know, even though she lives in L.A. now, Michaela Gordon, who's from here, sang last night. Uh, um, we had a whole bunch of uh, Vegas musicians uh, on stage, and um, all throughout the night there were different sets. And the musicians and singers in this town, Savannah Lynx, who came from Rose Rabbit Lisbon, and Noibel Gorgoy, a uh, name who's with David Perico's band, has been in that room. Um, Ashley Fuller, who's really well-known in town. These are names that aren't really famous, but they're well-known around town. And that ha will help them... Um, uh, develop a positive relationship with people who live here. That that type of thing. Yeah. Um, but it was a long it was a long five hour hang last night at Delilah wow. just because of the music. We kept waiting for. I was sitting <laughs> with New Brian Newman from Nomad Library. He was with us, Sky Miles at our table, and it was really cool. You know how much they had coming off that stage. And that was long after we were fin we'd finished eating. Right. It's exciting. You mentioned Rose Rabbit Lie. Something new's going in that space now, right? What do you guys know about that? Well, uh, spoke with, uh, did that story for the Hollywood Reporter last week, um, Super Freako, which is a hilarious name, and I think we all kind of love it. Um, it. It's actually the cheese, so when the cheese <laughs> sticks to the pan of whatever you're <laughs> Whenever cheese sticks to a pan, <laughs> apparently that's what Super Frico is, or Frico is. Oh. So um, that's cheese stuck to a pan, uh, the delicious little pieces. And so, um, you know, obviously from coming from Spiegel World, it'll be a great reinvention of that Rose Rabbit Live space. In fact, when I was writing that story, I referred back to a lot of the reporting that uh, Mr. Katzelmetis did over here of that kind of debacle. And uh, the only thing that I could really write about it was everybody sued everybody and then they retracted. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you read I, that line in my article, but I couldn't I get did. that. <laughs> I, re I referred to my old reporting too. Yeah. It was, well, without digging into the, the, the you know, the, uh, the demise of that original concept, um, the, the original idea of Vegas Nocturne and Rose Rabbit Live was cool. Rose Rabbit Live to the very end was very cool. Mm -hmm. um, what they've done now is that um, Bill Macbeth and the, and the hierarchy at the Cosmopolitan have um, entered into a partnership exclusively there with Spiegel World to create, again, another attempt at a, at a paired entertainment and culinary concept. I looked at the Super Frico thing, and I'd, oh, the whole way I'd heard pizza 
the whole way they were talking about this, and I'm going, really, you're going to replace Rose Rabbit Line with pizza? <laughs> and um, But it, it is an inventive way to uh, pair a culinary, uh, if it can be high-end pizza place, with a very inventive and, mm-hmm. inventive and imaginative stage show. Right. And I'm impressed mostly that they were able to announce that these are going to reopen at the same time. Because I didn't think the restaurant was going to open at the same time the show was. I thought the show would be back first and they were going to... But uh, Mollison uh, enforced his (laughs) will. Ross Mollison enforced his will on the project. I want to see it. I'll be there. I'm I'm (laughs) curious about it. But how much more can we do with pizza in Las Vegas? To to, to really class up... I mean, where are we I mean, a psychedelic pizza party is definitely something we've never had. Sprinkle psychedelic (laughs) mushrooms I'm ready for... A psychedelic I'm, I'm pizza party. As, as, as I'm ready for psychedelic anything, but it is still at the end of it. I say this: it's it's pizza, folks, and it's uh, in some ways it's just chicken, folks. Don't get so excited. Yeah. It's just a hamburger, everybody. And at the end of it, it's really a hamburger. And to class up the interview, will this be more than a one or two Merkin situation? This will, <laughs> as Rose Rabbit line in an uh, <laughs> opium, it'll be a one Merkin. <laughs> okay. Situation noted on my calendar. At, at <laughs> Nomad Library the other night, a double Merkham night. <laughs> so we, we talked a bit about Delilah opening over at Win Las Vegas. Also, they have Overlook Lounge, which is the last time I saw Melinda before tonight. Was today was over at Overlook. Uh, it seems like Win is really upping their game again and trying to recapture that. Uh, maybe they never lost it, but trying to reassert that they are one of, if not the center of luxury in Las Vegas. And, you know, forget that we may have discounted some prices during COVID. This is where this is where the ballers are going to go, right? That's the vibe that I'm getting. Do you think that, is that a direct response to Resorts World opening right across the street? Is that entire end of the strip going to, is the shift really finally moving that way? The way that people always said that when Resorts World opened and Fountain Blue opened, that that, that was going to become the epicenter for the, the people with real money? Well, I think you look at, so Wynn is obviously five star, five, five diamond. That's a different entity. It is that only, the only that de- designation for that property. Resorts World is a much different type of property. It's, it's meant to service different levels of customers and the scale is completely different. So you can't really, I don't really know how much Wynn is looking at Resorts World um, or that Resorts World is looking at Win. You know, I, have their and I, I think that that might be kind of a you know I don't I don't really think that they're they're looking for you know nods from each other, um, maybe in very small nuances, but not really like that. Um, more more interesting will be what happens I think with Fountain Blue, you know when it finally if it finally comes online and how you know obviously that whole story. Um, interesting coming full circle. Um, you know, interested to see also too, the, you know, the, the thing that the most interesting thing out of everything here is the boring tunnel. The the impact that the boring tunnel... <laughs> that is so not interesting to me. No. But listen, this is yeah. a, a transportation solution for the entire world that's being incubated in Las Vegas underneath our street that's going from the convention center. I mean, this is groundbreaking. Yeah. If, like, I mean, literally. I, I got to tell you, I expected the boring tunnel was going to be this thing that somehow we were going to be able to get from like San Francisco to LA in five minutes, or we were going to be able to go from New York to LA in an hour. <laughs> and then next thing I know, they're just running Teslas underground to take people a block and a half. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Got to start somewhere. Tell me why I should be excited by well, so, it. Well, it'll, it'll shorten your nights. It'll shorten <laughs> your, your, your around town experience in Las Vegas and then allow you to practice commerce and get more into a visit it's the to me the boring tunnels what the the monorail would have should have been originally in its in its uh 
adaptation, but below ground. Um, that's you know, and yeah. I haven't been on it. I don't know, but um, but that's what it seems like. And the potential is great. We're still talking about what great potential it has until it's enacted. Yeah. But getting back to the win, you know, um, I, I in, in talking to you know, kind of both. I, just, I remember talking to Steve Wynn originally about Genting and coming in, mm-hmm. and he and he felt like at the time. This is in 2014. The vision was he felt that KT Lim was going to develop this in an interview, right, in a formal on the record interview, that KT Lim was going to build a giant circus circus on that really? on that parcel. This is right after the ribbon cutting or the groundbreaking, the Asian themed circus circus, because all that stuff, uh, yeah, the pandas and that the, was the, all a part of the plan at yeah. the time in in real time. More recently, what, right before Resorts World opened up, Sabella ha- says, I want the circus circus people to be comfortable here, but I want the, the wind people to come in too. I don't hear that from the wind people saying they want a whole bunch of circus circus people inside. <laughs> right. But I, right. And I will say another thing was that the, all this energy around the northern part of the strip, north strip, whatever you want to call it, did kind of for a moment overtake the wind because the wind was kind of you know as is. This is before Delilah opened, and there was some some buzz about the overlook and all that. And I remember um, Ma- Ross Mollison talking about. Uh, the um, Atomic Saloon show reopening at the Venetian right. and calling the win uh, Venetian North. <laughs> so, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, we, we need to reset our image feeling that I've gotten uh, about, about the win. But uh, having been there recently, I haven't been to Overlook yet, um, just, just, just last night. I, I feel, and I saw Maniscalco, too, on, on, uh, on Saturday over there. And it was really, really funny cool. show. I Very funny. Show. Yeah, yeah, he's a top. I, yeah, I get why he's had so much success. But he and he was talking about. I don't know if he did it in your show about the about why can't we just go to the pool? We used to just go to the pool. Now I go to the pool here, and they're like, "Yeah, that'll be twelve thousand dollars." <laughs> I just oh, no, want to get under the cup. <laughs> New material. I'm impressed by he, that. He, comedians. <laughs> do. Was, uh, anyway, yeah. he wasn't talking is. about how far it is between <laughs> casinos. <laughs> oh my God, it's so far. Uh, I heard five different guys do that. Yeah, in, oh, like the, the mountain range. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I like what Dana Carvey said about when he was at uh, the uh, Sahara SLS at the time when he was talking about this whole North Strip vibe. He, he made a joke. It's like, yeah, you come here, you're the SLS, it's really nice, but you, you, when you're walking here, you go, you see all these beautiful resorts, you see the wind, you see you see the Venetian, and all of a sudden, there's like this third world country you have to walk through. <laughs> he did that joke one time, and then they told him to not do it <laughs> yeah. at the, at the guys, SLS. Guys, during um, COVID, we seem to, at least based on my press releases, based on things I've read in, in yours and other people's columns, seemed like we had a little bit of a spurt of off-strip places trying to become like the hot spot for, for celebrities, whether it be athletes who live here now. And, I, you know, I saw a lot about Jing in downtown Summerlin, a lot of VIP celebrities hanging out there. I've been there on party nights, a lot of mm-hmm. industry people hang. And then also Bloom on the Henderson side seems to get that crowd. Have you guys been to them? And what is the vibe like there? And do you think that they're really, uh, are they creating celebrity scenes off strip i haven't been to either one of them i know <laughs> okay. who's been there but i haven't been to either bloom or or jing okay. yeah i haven't so they are not yet yeah. cats approved uh, no they're i'm, they're, I'm sure they're cats great <laughs> i just haven't made it over there yet. Okay. I've, I've been to jing once and you know i think that it's a good pr engine maybe behind it that kind of creates that illusion and they've had some very key with bloom uh you know, i cannot recall right now but there is some sort of kind of behind the scenes celebrity connection there that has is the reason why those celebrities are going there so so there is something there on that i'll leave it to uh johnny katz to 
to investigate that. Um, and then, <laughs> I've got to get a bloom night together. <laughs> what we need to do. <laughs> and then Jing, of course, while well, everyone was, you know, people were flocking there if they wanted to take a picture with OJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know, there's two people. Uh, there's two people in the world, or two people in Las Vegas. The people that take pictures with OJ, and the mm-hmm. people, people that OJ had the COVID. And people don't take. Did you see that OJ had the COVID? He had it. He almost got knocked. I saw OJ at the bar at El Salito the other night, and I did not. Did not. Take I what do you do when you see him? I saw. I am not I've seen him a few people. times too. I haven't uh, done. You know, you go up and introduce yourself. I have not I done that. Cigar no reason to talk uh, to him. So I don't. don't. Yeah, anyway. I didn't cross that. Um, one last thing. I'm just going to ask you guys to predict this because I know everybody has places to be. Um, when cannabis knowledge is open in this town, do you think that there's going to be a VIP or a celebrity? I mean, that seems like a draw for mm. a lot of celebrities. The casinos will not touch that stuff with the you know thousand foot pole. So, do, you, do any predictions on whether that's going to be a big draw for? celebrities visiting guests visiting vips uh certain celebrities <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think it's celebrities that are already endorsing cannabis will definitely mm-hmm. come i mean you got to remember vegas is a payday for everybody yeah. whether whether you know you want to get paid in the casino or whether you're a celebrity looking for a paycheck vegas is first and foremost a payday so i think it's whoever's going to offer the money and be up for it and then they'll show up oh well, I, I at the risk of being stereotypical here i think the obvious ones are the ones that we already know like you said and linda we're, we're endorsing it we have the the dave Stupid. chappelle's the the mike tyson's you know those that ilk. I, it was told to me before this was even legal in Nevada by a casino executive that cannabis and that and that industry and that culture and high end Las Vegas resorts, resorts were never going to mix. They just don't. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been interesting to see that the the blending of of that activity. You know it's you know. It just has been very interesting to walk through a casino and smell <laughs> the effects of it or go out to valet at some of these places or through a parking garage and just know that it's there. Oh. I think it, I think it's going to be um, a largely an insular experience. I, I do think that. The Coliseum know. Valet seems to be the place to actually <laughs> go. Try must Paris. Be sort of underground. Brother, uh, Paris Valleys. Our, yeah, next, our next yeah. roundup will be best places to get a contact high. <laughs> I was doing like a I'm video one time. On story. I was yes. doing a little self video at the Paris, and I'm you know doing hey I'm you know updating my column, and this is like okay it's two in the morning, so I, I'm I'm risking it anyway. And this guy ran, walked right in front of me with this giant blunt, just <laughs> blew it right in my face. I'm like Jesus! I said hey we have edibles. <laughs> nice. Well, I want to thank you both for your time, man. It's been great catching up with you. I know you have cool people to go hang out with that are way cooler than me so i'm gonna let you both go where can people john just remind people where they can find you your reviewjournal.com okay yeah it's 3a every day online all the time as i say reviewjournal.com um i'm on jt the brick uh periodically um who's the voice of the raiders uh we are building back uh podcasts in a video form we just worked on that today it's going to have a new name and video excited for that and charcoal sketches even. Okay, that's fine. And Melinda, when you are not in <laughs> Europe or on a Greek island, I know we could find you at offthestrip.com and we could see you on Channel 3. What, channel when are you 3 on and Channel 13. So uh, Tuesdays on uh, Tuesdays I do Tasty Tuesdays on Channel 13. And then Fridays now I'm on a new show called Vegas Eats on Channel 13. And then every other week I'm on the morning show on CW. Well, thank you both. And we yep. will be back with some more food and restaurant news very shortly. This is Food and Loathing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Food and Loathing. I'm Al Mancini, joined once again by my guest co-host, Diana Breyer, the owner and mistress of cheese at Valley Cheese and Wine, as well as my producer, Rich Johnson, manning the microphone and the mixer. It is time for the news and hot off the proverbial presses. Nobu is coming to the Paris. More on that in my blog, theneonmohawk.com. I've got all the details there. Nicole Brisson is bringing her greatest steaks to your house. The details on that coming from our friend Andy Wong, writing at foodandwine.com. True carnivores, if you're out there, you will remember that the signature item at the late great Carnivino in the Venetian was the Reserva ribeye, a cut that was dry aged at least 90 days, frequently more than twice oh, that long. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I had one that was like 14 months one time. It was yeah. crazy. John Curtis. How is that. this edible? Yeah, I mean, they had to they'd get the mold off of it and everything. Yeah. Anyway, um, so those, those are fantastic. She, Chef Nicole Brisson has now revived those beautiful cuts of beef at her new place, Brezza, in Resorts World, and now she is taking it on the road, or to the road, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Anyway, you can get, according to Andy, you can get those steaks delivered to your home, although I don't think it'll be Nicole delivering them. Yeah, the superstar you know, one, chef. One can hope. That would be great, right? Nicole yeah. shows up at your house. I'd Just like a random delivery. In. I'd have some wine waiting for it. Um, anyway, Nicole's new business is called Bistecca di Brisson, and it ships steaks nationwide, including Creekstone Farms beef, aged for at least 90 days at her facility here in Las Vegas. Find out more at Bistecca di Brisson.com. Yeah, of course. That's really exciting. I remember in one of your earlier episodes, you had spoken to her while she was at Brezza and asked her if she was going to be bringing back this dry-aged beef. So hearing that she's taken it to this, you know, nationwide shipping level, I think is just outstanding. That Another, was op- opening night of uh, Brisson. In yeah. Opening night for the podcast is opening night at Resorts World. That was cool. Right. And you had that conversation, you and Jason, with Nicole. I, and that was the only thing I wanted to ask her. Yeah. Is the beef, is the beef, is the beef. <laughs> and now you know. Rich, yeah. you've got junk food news for us. I do indeed. It would indeed, not dude. be a week without junk food news from Rich. Edibles from you, junk, junk food, food for from me. From it's you. a yin and yang we do here. So more than a year ago, I remember how you wrote about how substituting an impossible burger for real beef really wouldn't make much difference in a fast food burger. And I revisited that theory with a trip to a Burger King recently. And yeah, you're still right with all the fixings and the condiments and the, the mayo and the, the thing on all that on the basic Whopper. You don't really miss the actual beef. So I will be ordering impossible Whoppers from now on. I mean, you know, you think about fast food and the quality of their beef is pretty much the shittiest thing in there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's worse yeah. than their yoga mat, you know, buns or whatever, right? So, <laughs> so like, you know, if you want to substitute out something for shitty commercial grade beef, I'm all for it. Man. Yeah, same. I mean, questionable cows. Yeah. I mean, it is the very absolute definition of processed food because what are the impossible ingredients and how do they get to become something that tastes and feels like beef but it works no cow had to die no chicken had to be nuggeted (laughs) (laughs) so my other stop this week was roberto's i've not been there in a couple years their stuff is really heavy but every now and then you need that heavy 
Uh, I figured it was time to try again because I was too lazy to walk across the street to the new fish place across uh, Fort Apache from Charleston because there's a Roberto's inside the fabulous Freddy's car wash. And I found out the chicken chimichunga and the car wash 25 minutes between ordering and eating and finishing and fabulous rich, your car's ready. So it was perfect timing and it was uh, pretty good. I got to say, Roberto's is a bit of a religion in Las Vegas, yeah. and I do not want to blaspheme against those that worship <laughs> at its altar, but um, it never really moved me. But yeah. I don't have anything against it either. Yeah, I know. I've had a few 3 a.m. nights <laughs> Yeah, I think that's it. I yeah. think maybe I just need more whiskey it's, again. Yeah, I get, get back a, to that phase of my life. It's a staple of like, your bad ideas when you've already had an evening. As, as one know? comedian said about Denny's, and I think it works with Roberto's, you don't go to Roberto's, you end up at yeah. Roberto's. Exactly. <laughs> and that's how I always felt about White Castle, which is why yeah. I understand why people who are not stoned at 3 in the morning want to <laughs> eat there. But whatever. Yeah. Look, since we are speaking about fast food, I feel the need to put in a word for the exact opposite, which is, of course, fresh, locally sourced food. I'm fresh off of a flight back from Reno after visiting the Frey Ranch or Fry Ranch Distillery in Fallon. Um, more on the whiskey soon. I'll have articles about that coming various places. But right now, I want to mention a bit about the meal they made us, because um, it was a beautiful tour. We saw where they grow the grains and where they malt the grains, and they, we put the brand on the barrels. But then, you know, we, we had a nice little party out in a corn maze, and they made cocktails, and it was great. And then a meal by Chef Mark Esty. Um, you may know him from Food Network's Undercover Chef. He's huge in Reno. Um, and he made the meal that we ate in Fallon. What really impressed me was that it really, truly was a farm-to-table affair, as he explained in this cut I'm about to play. I cut this a bit short. I was sort of holding my phone up while he was speaking on, and there were people at my table who were a little loud and had a lot of whiskey, but you'll get the gist of it. Everything here uh, you're going to be eating tonight is from Fallon, and we yeah. do want to thank Kelly Kelly for helping uh, hustle everything down. She came up yesterday. Kelly, Kelly. She did a great job. So over there in the ranch, we had uh, we had some Sandhill Dairy cheeses. We had some Latin Farm melons. Our prosciutto was from Italy, sorry. Some delicious peaches and some tomatoes and some breads that we made. So really cool that we have this right here, some cucumbers, local cucumbers, local tomatoes, local grilled peaches, some mizuna, and we just did a little shallow dressing. And then for dinner tonight, we're having uh, uh, vegetable platters of roasted onions, roasted squash. So the point, I know it was a little messy there and people at my table getting super excited, but the point was that everything that we ate in this meal was from the town of Fallon in Nevada. And, you know, a lot of us are very interested. A lot of chefs here in Vegas try to dine and shop locally. I realize that Fallon, Nevada, outside of Reno, or actually an hour outside of Reno, may not be local to Las Vegas, but it is still part of our great state of Nevada. And I love that there are chefs up there who are really sourcing things locally. I sat with this woman. Her name was Kelly Kelly. She was in charge of putting together a lot of the sourcing. If any chefs are up there, I recommend you look her up. And she was just telling me about these people, you know, these are where we got our dairy. These are where we got our vegetables. This is where we got that. And it was really cool. And I love that you can do that even in the middle of nowhere, Nevada. But you know one of those, those sources, right? Yeah, I'm actually pretty familiar with Sand Hill Dairy. I have had the pleasure of working with some of the farmers there. Um, the main farmer there, he is just absolutely wonderful. He actually takes milk over to Las Vegas. Vegas, and it's available at MGP, great local business. Um, but one of the things is that I actually love his his production, his milk st styles. He's got Jerseys and Holsteins in his uh, in his breed mix, which actually produces like this really beautiful sort of creamy butterfat forward milk. He does LTLT pasteurization, which is a gentler form of pasteurizing your milk that gives you really rich creamy notes in cheeses that sometimes is hard to find when you don't have the terroir of very very lush fertile. 
farm areas like you get elsewhere in the country. Wow. And we actually saw some of the um, spent grain mash that they shipped over to some of the nearby farms for their dairy cows to eat on. And then we smelled that manure when the wind shifted, too. Oh, yeah. So um, it's a great smell to me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, though, I, I do love that, you know, we're here in in Las Vegas and I was in Reno, but yet there are these chefs who are really worried about locally sourced stuff. I know it could sound pretentious. It could sound like a bad episode of Portlandia at time where sure. people are so worried about where everything <laughs> yeah. comes from. But they go and visit the farm before they go right. back to the restaurant. The cow's name was Debbie. Yeah, but I, I do love that there are chefs. And Mark Esty, it was the first time I got to even say hi to him. And it was nice to meet him and see what he was doing over there. So thank you for shedding some insight onto that as well, Diana. Sure. Anytime there's cheese, you know, I can just jump in and cheese around. <laughs> cool. So now let us talk edibles. Cannabis edibles reviews. I asked if you would be willing to do this with me this week. And you said, hells yeah. Yes. Or something similar, right? <laughs> so I raced you over some Chiba Chews last week. And I left them for you. I'm going to just try to describe these. We'll put a photo up, but these are almost, they're, they're, they're packaged almost like cough drops. They yeah. look like halls or something, cough drops. Individual packaged, which I do like. Um, you can, they're 10 milligram doses. You know you're going to get a clean 10 milligrams in this square. You're also, you know, you could cut it in half if you want to bite it in half if you wanted to microdose. They're not perfect for microdosing, but they would do for if you wanted to microdose. Sure. My biggest problem was getting the damn, they, these things I describe them as a cross between a Tootsie Roll or a, an old lady caramel yeah. candy square that grandma would give you, <laughs> like right? something the, out of the, the Whitman sampler. In the green glass candy dish with the really long top handle. Ooh. Yeah. Like those yeah. kinds of shoes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or maybe like some saltwater taffy from Atlantic City, New Jersey. Like they're just, they're yeah. sticking your teeth kind of things. But the weird thing is they stick in this very nice hermetically sealed package and you got to kind of dig in there. It's like you're digging up, I don't know, black tar heroin or something. Not that I've ever done that. I'm just. <laughs> Um, so I, I just didn't like the format of what they were. I mean, if you like those chewy candies, I think you'll enjoy them. They're sure. not bad to taste. What, what did you think? Um, I, I actually had a very similar experience. Um, I kind of got like the Tootsie Roll slash homemade caramel sort of situation from them. I do like the individual packaging. I think that's an ease of dosing where edibles can be a little bit wiggly for people as far as dosing is concerned. But I feel like unless you've just taken these right out of the refrigerator, you're just going to have a really hard time digging them out of that package. Although the flavor was very Tootsie Roll-esque, you didn't get an overabundance of like cannabis flavor. It was well integrated. Yeah, and that's, so that's nice a good because thing. a lot are just pure weed. Taste, They're just weedy. You know? yeah. yeah. So bravo to them for that. Um, and this was their chocolate indica flavored um, 100 milligrams per package, 10 milligrams per dose. So very mellow. Cool. Um, so I think that's it. You actually brought me some nice cannabis drinkables to drink tonight. We're looking at what, Two Roots? Two were? Roots drinks. Yeah, these are, they come in all different flavor profiles. The one I'm drinking is Lift, which is a one to two CBD to THC. You've got the Balance, I believe, which is a one to one. Um, these are just excellent, really refreshing drinks. I like to enjoy them over ice, but really just if you're looking to kind of maintain a little bit of a homeostasis throughout your day or you're dealing with a little bit of, you know, fatigue or pain, they really have something for everyone and they're they're very drinkable okay well i will hopefully have a more in-depth review of that next week i am currently sipping on the berry lemon balance one-to-one so that is about it for this week thank you to all of our guests melinda shekels john katzalamitas and of course our 
co-host with the co-most, Diana Breyer <laughs> of Valley Cheese and Wine. Pay Diana a visit here on Horizon Ridge Parkway in Henderson. And you can find them online at valleycheeseandwine.com. You spell it all out and there's no spaces in there. Coming up next week, I will be visiting the new Cosmopolitan restaurant Super Frico at least once perhaps twice between now and when we record the next episode. I know it'll be at least once because I showed up at home today from the airport. There was a package waiting at my door. It was a package mailed from the future, and it was a portrait of me at the restaurant sketched sometime in the future by their 99-year-old restroom attendant, according to the note. Um, so <laughs> That's awesome. That's the kind of place Super Freako is. <laughs> better hurry. Yeah, and I guy. will be there at least once over the next week. I'll let you know more about that. Also, if you're looking for something to do this weekend, Craft House Brew is celebrating its seventh anniversary with House Fest Beer Festival. That's this Saturday night at 7 p.m. in their Henderson location. You'll find unlimited pours on over 30 beers, kombucha, and cider, as well as food trucks, a DJ, and I'm told, quote, good fun. Well, yeah. Tickets start at $40. A bargain, I say. And if you can't be there, I'm hoping to be live streaming some of the fun over on the Food and Loathing Facebook page. How well that will sound will depend directly on whether Rich (laughs) decides to show up with me for that. (laughs) All that beer. Maybe a quality of life thing. It's always a fun time over at Craft House. They're great. Speaking of social media and such, we want your feedback, your likes, your retweets. And we have all kinds of addresses. The best way to find them all, just go to Al's website, theneonmohawk.com. Theneonmohawk.com. You'll find all our links to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram pages and in-depth details on every episode of this podcast. Al, you write more about an episode than we do in the episode sometime. You exhaust me with that writing. You know what I like is a lot of times we just mention a place in passing and somebody yeah. hears about it. You know, you go to theneonmohawk.com, you look for the episode, and there will be a link to their webpage. Yeah. Yeah. Tell you a little bit about them. And we're trying to give you all the info to put asses into restaurants yes. that they're going to enjoy. That's my goal. And here's into this podcast. So please tell a friend about Food and Loathing. You can subscribe or follow on any podcast platform. And if you've subscribed through Apple, please, please, please leave us a nice review. Uh, one other thing, reach us all direct by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. Spell it all out, no spaces, dot Vegas. And also, if you go to foodandloathing.vegas, you will be able to stream all of the episodes. We prefer you download them, but you can yeah. stream them by going there. Anyway, that's it for this episode. I'm Al Mancini with Rich Johnson and Diana Breyer. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.